Hi guys, thanks for listening to Library Overload. This is Susie. And this is Tavia. Don't forget, you can always check us out online at our blog where we'll post all of the books we talk about today and every day. Uh, You can find us at libraryoverload.home.blog. And then also on Instagram, we're just Library Overload there. It's October. Happy October. Happy birth month to me. No, just yes. happy October. Happy birth month. Start <laughs> celebrating my no. eighth annual 29th birthday. <laughs> so we decided to go spooky and scary and witchy and creepy and all the things for October. And murder mystery. Yes. And thriller, suspense. Thriller. So, yeah, I have been reading scary and thrillery books up a storm the past few days. And we had an incident. Do tell. Because I know about said incident. <laughs> and it's hysterical. So, y'all know that I am a big old chicken. I don't watch big scary. I don't watch scary movies, TV shows. Like, I couldn't even make it through Netflix's Sabrina, the first episode. Like, mm-mm, can't do it. So, but I'm trying. Like, I've read a couple of really creepy books. I've been scared to go outside at night with the dogs because of a book that I'll talk about today. Well, last night, Chris and I are sitting in the kitchen talking. I'm facing the front door. And, y'all, the front doorknob twists and I was like Chris oh my god there's someone coming in there's someone that door oh my god we gotta like oh my god oh my god and he being Chris just walks right up to the door opens it (laughs) and it's this poor kid (laughs) whispering thinking it was our neighbor's door and not (laughs) ours (laughs) and guys I need to not read any more scary stuff because like it's getting out of hand. You assumed it was either a ghost or, or a serial killer coming for you. Knocking yes. on the door. Or yes. Handle. Um, I have a book. I've got a book that I'll be talking about to where in people show up at a house that were not invited to the house. And it was V scary. Wasn't a fan of it. <laughs> and I'm just like, there's monsters out in the woods. And there are people trying to come in and I'm just, I'm going to be on edge for the next 25 days. That's hilarious. Yeah. That's why I haven't read anything particularly spooky, but more of a mystery, cozy Mm -hmm. mystery kind of. Yeah. I have one that's semi-spooky. Yeah. I've been kind of building up to it. Like I've got a thriller suspense. I've got a creepy one, but then I did, um. Uh, and then, but I, I did, I've been working my way towards the scaries, just, you know, one, one toe at a time, (laughs) but if it's already like this on day five, like, it's just downhill from here. That's hilarious. As I'm sure no one here is surprised. I have taken this chance to dive into some more Agatha Christie. No Because I love me some Agatha Christie. 
And I thought, why not start at the beginning? So I went back to her very first book, which is The Mysterious Affair at Styles, And it was written in 1916. Goodness gracious. Yes. And it was published in 1920 in the United States and in 1921 in England. Which I thought was interesting. It was published here first. But it was set during World War One, as the time that it was written. And it is about Miss Emily Inglethorpe, who is this old, wealthy lady in this big old house. And there is an entire house full of suspects. It could be her much younger husband that is newly acquired. It could be her stepsons that live in the house with her. Or a nurse that's staying there with them. Any number of people. But it is set in the same town where it happens that Hercule Poirot is a refugee from Belgium staying in this little English town. So he is a retired detective from Belgium. And this is his your very first introduction to him. Okay. And then so he's like, hmm, murder case. Let me get me some of that. <laughs> and he goes to investigate the case of who killed Emily Inglethorpe in the middle of the night in a locked house. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. And there are so many suspects and so many twists and turns. And I, for like 50% of the book was like, oh yeah, I, I absolutely knew who it was. And then at the last minute, like she always does, she gets me. Nope. Wasn't even on my radar. <laughs> so it was a, uh, it was very cute, but I really enjoyed the history part of it having been written, you know, over tw- over 100 years ago, which is yeah. crazy. That is crazy. Um, and she is the, behind the Bible, she is the best-selling, the most-selling author of all time. Her books have sold the most. I didn't know where you were going with it, bringing the Bible into it. <laughs> But I was like, where are we going? Yes. The Bible outsells her books. But after that, she is top. And that's just insane. That is insane. But yeah, it was really good. It it has some antiquated language here and there. Mm -hmm. So you have to kind of get used to that. That's one of the big things about Agatha Christie. But she very much writes about her status at the time so all of her novels essentially are about upper to middle class bougie english people which is kind of where she was she doesn't stray too far from that ever okay but she does always seem to get me and it's incredible that you know so many things are out that you know i've read so many different mystery thrillers and and I can figure out a lot of stuff, but I can never figure her out. She shocks me every single time. So, well, I didn't even think about that. But she gave you the information you needed to solve it. You just missed it. I know. It. Hindsight is always twenty twenty when reading yeah. a murder mystery. I'm like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Yep. <laughs> but, yes, really good. Highly recommend. 10 of 10. Would recommend. Nice. <laughs> okay. So my first one I'll talk about is my kind of thriller-ish, suspense-ish. And this is The Warehouse by Rob Hart. This initially caught my eye because it's basically 
it's it's if Amazon took over the world <laughs> and kind of um, like they're doing kind of yes but more drones um and it's it's set very much in the future to where drones are a very part a big part of everyday life mm-hmm. and life has gotten so bad that Amazon has like catapulted into instead of thousands and thousands of people just working there people also live at the warehouses so they become just this compound and people Mm -hmm. live in these tiny dorm like things they have movie theaters there restaurants there all of that so i mean yeah it's i saw a meme once that said 20 years in the future please return to your amazon prime house for your amazon prime dinner yep (laughs) it's it was exactly that um so that's already kind of fascinating. So we follow it, but instead of it being Amazon, it's called cloud. <laughs> um, so we meet Paxton and Zinnia. Um, Paxton is a guy that started his own little business making, making these little microwavable egg cooking things. Did really well with it, but because Cloud kept trying and trying to uh, get more of the cost down, lower and lower and lower, he eventually lost his business because Cloud kept not wanting to pay anything for it. So Uh Paxton finds himself at working at this company that essentially put him out of business. Oh, no. And then we follow Zinnia. Zinnia is there undercover as a corporate spy. Dun, dun, dun. And so you meet them on the day that they're hired. And the way that they're hired is nuts. So you it opens up. They're on this old bus. Highways are breaking down. Buses are just dilapidated. Way worse than they are now. And it drops them off in the middle of Nowheresville at this kind of forsaken town. And they literally all race through this town on foot to be the first of like 40 or 50 people. But because that's the cutoff. (laughs) Once they have enough applicants, like, sorry, you're stuck in this town now. Well, dang. I know. So it's just nuts. And so we, we follow them. As they get their new jobs and all of that. And it's just really neat how it's written. Just because Sozenia becomes a picker. Which means she basically gets an alert on their their watches. And it says go pick a razor. Go pick this book. Go pick this shoe. And like it would be whole paragraphs of shoe, razor, book, backpack, shirt, red socks. Like and it would just like that's her day. And it just kind of made that that just mind-numbing day, like, put on the page. Like, it was mm-hmm. really neat how it was written. But my favorite part of it was actually the dedication. And it, the dedication at the very beginning of the book just says, to Maria Fernandez. And nothing else. And so you get down to the, the author's notes at the end. And it says, a brief note on the dedication, Maria Fernandez worked part-time at three separate Dunkin' Donuts locations in New Jersey, and in 2014, while sleeping in her car between shifts, 
accidentally suffocated on gas fumes. She was struggling to pay $550 a month on her basement apartment. That same year, according to the Boston Globe, Dunkin' Donuts, then CEO, earned $10.2 million. More than anyone or anything else, Maria's story beats at the heart of this book. Oh, wow. And I was just like, damn, son. Like, it was just a, a total, like, F you to to these giant conglomerations yeah. that mm-hmm. take over everything. Definitely a social commentary. That, they say that they care and they hear mm-hmm. you and they're with you, but do they, yeah. do they really? And I just, I thought it was just beautifully done. That's good. I'm glad that you yeah. enjoyed it. It got really, really stressful towards the end, but yeah, I thought it was really good. I gave it, I want to give it three and a half stars. I'm getting to the point where, so I'm now several books into October now, and I'm just, I've just found out that a lot of these books end ambiguously. A lot of suspense, thriller, horror, like all of these books that I've read, um, three out of four so far this month have ended ambiguously. And I'm like, okay. Not the biggest fan of that. So just 3.5 stars for me just because of the way it ends. That sucks. Um, <laughs> but it's fine. It was, I really enjoyed it. I've already recommended it to some people. So I thought it was great. Good, 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 good. So the next book that I'm going to talk about is called The Heretic's Daughter. And this is by Kathleen Kent. And this book is simultaneously intriguing, fascinating, and a bit dry. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Which is kind of interesting. It it wasn't until over 50% into the book that I really got invested. Hmm. But I think that that was by design. Okay. I think it is supposed to be told, because it's being told from the viewpoint of an 11-year-old girl whose mother is on trial for witchcraft in Salem. Sure. In 1692. And I think... The writing style is supposed to be the Puritan, chaste, calm, like, no flourishes or flowery words, just kind of to the point. I, I think it's supposed to read a bit more like a, a diary narrative from that point. Okay. So I think the fact that it's a bit dry to begin with is, is by design. Gotcha. I may be reading into that, but <laughs> whatever. Everybody gets something different out of a book. Yeah, but this is about Martha Carrier, who is a real woman who was hung on August 19th, 1692 for being a witch. And the story is told from the point of view of her daughter, Sarah, who is 11. So she's telling the story of how their life was before the events that led up to her mom getting accused and then the trial. Okay. And then her mom's imprisonment and ultimate hanging. And then what happened to all of her siblings. The super cool thing about this is that all of the facts are true. That's cool. So it's like a novelization. Yeah. Well, that's another interesting part. The author did do their homework, but she is a direct descendant of Martha Carrier. That's cool. Yeah. So she grew up hearing these family stories. And she wove them into a novelization of the facts. So there are flourishes and things added in there that, you know, there's no way we'd have known. Mm. 
but the true hard facts of the story are, are like real. Okay. Like she did get arrested on this day. These people did testify against her. And then all of her children got arrested. Even the 11 year old girl was arrested, accused of witchcraft, and put in prison. Oh my God. In manacles. And the only one that didn't get imprisoned was her husband, who was an actual, real Welsh person that she had married that had left England after Cromwell, Oliver Cromwell, as a Puritan. And. Came to us like real, like real actual people, mm-hmm. and then there's realization of the story. But it is fascinating. It tells about the hysteria surrounding the witch trials, about mm-hmm. you know how people could turn on people, and then how it just became this crazy spectacle. Yeah, of, you know the people believe in these young girls with no proof whatsoever just like this girl saying she's a witch or she's hurting me or you know i feel like it would be reality tv if that would have existed really because these girls making up this crazy stuff and acting and carrying on so it shows that and then it shows how the gel cells were with a cell designed to hold like four women now having 45 in it Mm. (laughs) or things like that and then it it shows the truth of what happens and then of Martha Carrier saying if I she got the people that got hung were the ones typically that didn't denounce I am a witch mm-hmm. so if you said you're a witch they usually which is odd like put you in prison for a little while and then let you go but if you wouldn't recant they would hang you so she, Martha Carrier, would not recant. She said, I can't. It's my truth. I'm being true to myself. I'm not going to admit to something that is untrue. And so she ends up being hanged. But she tells her daughter, you do whatever you have to save yourself. You tell them whatever they want to know. Mm-hmm. So her daughter kind of commits this heresy against her mom, you know, saying, yes, my mom's a witch. She taught me how to be a witch. Um, And and it's about the struggle between mother and daughter. And they didn't really get along at the beginning of the novel. They they were definitely at odds. They were two completely different personalities. But it's about them coming together through this. Gotcha. Uh, And, you know, an (laughs) 11-year-old. It's it's just crazy. But it was completely fascinating figuring out all of the historical stuff involved. And I've always been fascinated by the, the witch trials. Yeah. I have recently discovered the hanging site within the last mm. couple of years. It had been lost to history because they really wanted to cover that up after it came out. But Jesus. through lots of digging and, and um, surveys and things like that, they have fi- found the tree that was the hanging site. And it's now hey, a go monument. spend the night at that tree. No, I'm good. <laughs> I am super, super good. But, but what if you meet the Sanderson sisters? <laughs> they, they were not hanged there. They were hanged somewhere else. Remember, they built a whole scaffolding for them. Okay. They did, in real life, they did short hangings, which was on a tree branch. And you only dropped maybe a foot and, like, the jerk is what did it you didn't drop mm-hmm. very far so but it was it was it was 
simultaneously a bit of a slog at first, but then completely fascinating at the end. So it definitely needs, so the reader for this book definitely needs to be a Tavia type, someone really interested in yes. history, yes. like that's and willing it's not to get a, through. Correct. Yeah, and it's not a magic version of the witches where they're actually witches. It's a very right. factual kind of portrayal of what really happened and that, you know, the town of Salem kind of lost their minds. Gotcha. Um, and it and it kind of puts that out there. But it okay. is told by a direct descendant, and that's pretty cool, too. That's cool. Yeah. And the cover is creepy as heck. It is. Tavia took a hella creepy picture with it, too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited about some of the pictures that we took, even if Caitlin and I did get visited by a spirit. <laughs> okay. My next one is my favorite of the week. Um, this is Devolution by Max Brooks, also the author of World War Z. Also, the coolest thing about him. I mean, he is his own person, Tavia, but he is the son of Mel Brooks. Yeah, but if your father is Mel Brooks, how cool of a person do you have to be? Like, that's <laughs> genetic. Poor guy. He said when he was first breaking out into being an author, he said people kept saying, the son of Mel Brooks. And so people were expecting him to be hilarious. And he was like, no, I, I write weird stuff. Like, <laughs> stop expecting me to be funny. I'm weird. Funny. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I, uh, I am so excited about this. So, I'm sorry. Let me d give you the full. I'm so excited I came and talked. Let me give you the full title. <laughs> so it's Devolution, a first-hand account of the Rainier Sasquatch Massacre. <gasps> okay, what I heard of this book, I've literally been ecstatic about this book for approximately eight months. And I'm pretty sure it came out three months ago. <laughs> so I was so excited when it finally came out. I didn't have time to read it. And then the library wait list was like 12 weeks long. And <laughs> it's just been a struggle. So finally I got it. Um, blew through it in like 24 hours. So freaking good. So in kind of the same way he wrote World War Z, this isn't like a linear um, story told. This is, this is basically... Um, interviews with rangers and then the diary of kate holland so kate and her husband move into this kind of idyllic little tiny cul-de-sac in the middle of nowhere it's for people who want to live a rural lifestyle with the all the amenities that come with city life. So Wi-Fi, solar panels, like, so basically their carbon footprint Hipsters. is zero. Yes. Um, so their carbon footprint is zero, but they have these beautiful high tech homes with Wi-Fi and all of this stuff. So uh, this is up in Washington state, close to Mount Rainier. And all of the sudden, the volcano erupts 
it doesn't affect them immediately because they're they're way away from it, but they can see it happening. Oh, wow. But what it does is it cut off the roads to their little community, so they become stuck. They can't get their food delivered anymore. They Ooh. no one even knows really that they're missing because oh, wow. they're so off the grid. Mm-hmm. So they decide like, oh my God, like we got to start growing plants. We have to start, you know, really learning how to actually live a rural lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So um, they start kind of trying to figure out how to do this. Things are going somewhat well. And then the Sasquatch people come. <laughs> so good. I do, was... um set the record straight. Do you believe in Bigfoot? Slash Sasquatch, you do? Oh, I do. I think there's too many places on this planet that have not been seen for us to believe that it's impossible, that Bigfoot. So maybe I don't 1,000% believe that Bigfoot is real, but I do believe that it's it it would be idiotic to believe that it's impossible. Because like there's some kind uh, of creature undiscovered yes. out there, not yes. necessarily... Bigfoot in the way that we see him portrayed in the media. Correct. Some sort of creature. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, kind That's of a like very educational in... academic approach to this. Thank you. Um, the same way I think of aliens. Like it's it's illogical to believe that there's n- we are the only life in the plant in the galaxy. It's only like, logical. I know. I turned into Spock, but it's fantastic. Like you you literally feel on the edge of your seat when you finally figure like, Oh my God, it's out there. Like one night she hears the garbage cans rattling. So she flips on the light and there he is. And it's just like, Oh my God. So good. So Um, not only are they in the middle of a natural disaster, now they're being attacked by Bigfoot. Oh yes, It's, it's a massacre. Tavia. That's a whole lot. I know. It was so freaking good. Oh, my God. But seriously, <laughs> the night that I finished it, I had to take the dogs out. And they just wanted to go and walk next to the woods. I was like, guys, I can't. Bigfoot, it's out there. I can't do it. I believe. Um, <laughs> just, oh I don't think there have ever been any Bigfoot sightings in Tennessee. I think you're I clear. Care. I don't care. Because one of the, so the biggest, like, um, things that people say that you know Bigfoot is near you is number one a howling but number two like sticks knocking and Tavia I swear to God we were you outside and there was wood sticks knocking I was like nope we gotta go inside guys you have Done. an overactive imagination yes I do and I love it <laughs> but it was so so good loved it so much um, I'm glad that you a- liked it and it was a, a pretty quick read. It's 304 pages, so not, like, crazy long, um, like some of the other books I've picked up for this month. Yeah, I have uh, Blood and Honey on my list, and it's over 500 pages, so mm-hmm. fun times. But it was so good. So good. So good. So good. So good. So good. I got you. That's the rest of it. I was trying to figure out in my head. I knew I knew what I was doing. 
Get it, girl. I know that I knew what I was doing. Okay. Well, my last book that I'm going to talk about is I'm coming back to Agatha Christie because, you know, she's Agatha Christie. Sure. Um, and this will not be the last Agatha Christie book I talk about this month. So y'all just settle in and get prepared for that. Okay. Because there's a few more coming. <laughs> but this one is The Moving Finger. And it is the fourth installment of Miss Marple. That's a creepy title. It, I just it, I see a severed finger inching its way along, a la cousin the thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's actually about more of like a someone pulling the strings behind the scenes kind of okay. thing. But it is it about um, Jerry Burton, and this one is much later. It's 1942 is when it was published. So it was set right around that time. And so you, you can see how her writing style has changed and evolved, Mm -hmm. but is still completely brilliant. And this one is about Jerry Burton and his sister, Joanna. And Jerry is a pilot and he has a horrific crash and ends up in a hospital. And he is working on recovering or whatever. And he's finally out of his body cast And the doctor says, okay, what you need to do is go to a quaint village where nothing ever happens and be a vegetable. So they find this cool little place in Essex that seems like nothing ever happens there. And they move out there. They rent this house. And then some stuff goes down. As it does. (laughs) Yes. Apparently, the term for this is poison pen. But someone had been writing nasty letters. And kind of like that ransom style where you cut out letters and words. And they had been sending them to all of the residents of the town. Just like accusing them of completely random ridiculous stuff. And at one point, apparently one of the letters might be a little close to true. And causes this person to kill themselves. Oh, my. So now we have a dead body. So we're trying to figure out who the person is writing the letters because they have now caused someone to kill themselves. And then it turns it turns out that someone else is murdered. So we have two dead bodies, still have all these nasty letters coming, and it's just chaos. <laughs> as much chaos could be. Right, in, in a quaint little English town, village. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, the vicar's wife is a suspect, and... <laughs> the the vicar-, vicar won't be home till morning! <laughs> <laughs> but, so basically, everybody in the town's a suspect, and everyone's turning on each other. And what I find interesting about Miss Marple is she's really not in the book all that much. In the first one, she was in it a little bit more because it was the first Miss Marple book. Um, I read it several months ago. I don't remember when it was. Uh, That was actually called Murder at the Vicarage. (laughs) Does she always have vicars in her books? Vicars are a very, like, a bucolic English thing. So, you know, they're there in Agatha Christie's world. The vicars. And the vicar's wife. Okay. And it's like they live at the vicarage. So. Sure. Lots of vics. Got it. Yes. But Ms. Marple doesn't show up until there are about 50 pages left in the book. 
and she comes in at the end and nobody's been able to solve it and she swoops in at the end and she's like oh yeah obviously it's this person because they did this oh my gosh so it's like like the the vulture in brooklyn 99 (laughs) yes but she was an expert that was called in she she ended up being invited to stay at the house of the vicar's wife sure (laughs) she's like this is nonsense. I'm putting it into it. I'm calling in an expert. And she calls in a 75-year-old little lady. Yeah. As her expert. Murder she wrote. Yeah. Yes. And so Miss Marple solves the case, saves the day, and everyone Gets lives happily ever after. just in time for a cuppa. Yep. Everyone lives happily ever after. See, that's the thing about Agatha Christie. She does not leave you with an ambiguous ending. She ties it all up for you. It's very satisfying. Okay, I might have to check her out. We'll see. If you're going to start with Agatha Christie and you're worried about the language, I would definitely start in her later books published in the 40s and later. Because even Murder on the Orient Express was published in the 30s. And it's a bit tough to get through if if you're not used to the wording. Yeah, Yeah. I I couldn't get into it. Granted, though, it was like four years ago, maybe, when I tried to read it. But I am a, a much more of a grown-up now. Oh. I did read and <laughs> okay. love Sense and Sensibility. So I'm yeah, a totally different person. Yeah, Austin, you can give Agatha Christie another go. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't I need start to. with her earlier work. I would work your way kind of backwards if that's your concern. Okay. Because you can see how her writing develops and the wording kind of changes with the times. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. But fascinating, and I love me some Agatha Christie, and I'll definitely be reading many more of her. And the good thing about her books is that they're fairly short. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, 250 pages tops, typically. Yeah. So. I like it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now to my Debbie Downer book of the week. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> like that SNL skit. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel Drax. Yes, it makes me laugh every time, especially the one when with Lindsay Lohan at Disney World. Yes, when nobody <laughs> together and Horatio Sands like. Oh my god! Oh, yeah. it's so funny. Okay, so I read Wilder Girls by Rory Power. I'm intrigued about this being your downer book because it's everywhere. So this number one cover. Creepy, weird as hell. Gorgeous. Yeah, it's pretty. Um, But, like, it's pretty, but then you really look at it and it's like, oh, what's Uh, going on there? So, the premise is super fascinating, especially in 2020. So, it is, it has been 18 months since the Raxter School for Girls was put under quarantine. Oh. So... Maybe that's why everyone's reading it right now. Maybe. If you're crazy and you want to read something about people being put in quarantine in 2020, uh, this is a good book for you. Uh, I thought it sounded super fascinating. So we follow Hetty, H-E-T-T-Y. It's a very British name. Yeah. And then Byatt, B-Y-A-T-T. I I got nothing on that That's not a name. That's not a name. My name's um, not a name. Let's not get semantic about it. <laughs> um, but uh, so we kind of follow Betty and uh, Hetty and buy it. Toge- <laughs> but together they're Betty. 
Um, so they they go to this school for girls on an island off the coast of Maine. Somewhere, I feel like that is a setup for things to go poorly. I know. And having just been to Maine, I know exactly what it should look like. Like, it's just, it's really cool. Girls out there, if you're thinking of going to a school, do not pick one on an island, okay? Just don't. Yes. Pick somewhere in the mainland. Preferably not in a small town either. mm -hmm. So, um, they call their pandemic, for another word, um, they call it the tox. Um, And... So for, it started really slowly. First, the teachers died one by one. Then, instead of killing the students quickly like the teachers, it starts to infect them, but it turns their bodies really strangely foreign. Some of them um, get gills. One of them has a second spine in her back. And it turns the island itself wild like the animals start to get much bigger the trees go grow faster like it's like the island itself is going wild and so you come to this story where they get weekly uh, deliveries dropped off um, by boat by people in plastic uh, hazmat suits and all of that and So they've been just kind of living day to day, just locked up on this island. They can't go outside of the school grounds because there's bears. There's um, wild deer that will attack you because of the tox. And so they're just kind of stuck. Well, one day, Hetty's best friend, Byatt. That's not a name either. Or is that the same name? That's the same name, Byatt. Okay, Byatt. Um, Yeah, it's the dumb name that I was texting you about. So one day, Byatt has gone into one of her episodes again. Every few months, they each go through this episode where they're in hella pain. Something else is changing in their body. And as the tox takes over their body, it starts at their fingers and it turns black. And the more black you have, the the sooner you're going to die. Like, it's like it's rotting there. Like, their fingers. It's just crazy. I wanted to love this so much because it's my kind of weird. And it's, you know, like this crazy pandemic that's just on this island and they're looking for answers. I just, I thought the writing wasn't great. I thought that the story itself just got, instead of getting more and more like, oh my God, what's going on? It just gave you more questions instead of answers. Mm -hmm. Lots of plot holes. Like, it was just all around just was not a fan of it. Like, I finished it. I finished it because I was just like, God, it's got to get better. Like, the ending has got to be cool. Like, I just kept going and going. And it was just, it was not good. And I was really disappointed with it. Um, I would love to talk to someone that enjoyed it. Because I would love to kind of get their perspective on it. Because I just, I struggled. Like, I had to force myself to finish. And then, just the more I think about it, I was like, what, what did this serve? What did this, like, it, what was the, what point was the story? story? Yeah. And so, I was really kind of disappointed. Because I so wanted to like it. 
and I've got the actual book from the library. I finally got picked up books from the library. I ordered and it was some just, today that I'm excited to get. Um, but yeah, it was just, I don't know that I, I'm, I'm disappointed. Um, just because it, I was so excited to get it and it, it sounded yeah. so promising and it just <clears throat> sad. sad. I know. Bummer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, that's all yeah. I got for this week. So overall, you did not have the best time with your reads this week. Um, yeah. I'll, Is the over okay, under so- in the good category instead of the bad? No, I'd say right now it was too good. Okay, so one amazingly awesome, one good, and one bad. So uh-huh. we're still we're still okay. in the pluses right now. Okay. Um, I had two amazing and one good. Okay, yeah. Um, so we'll see. I'm I'm diving into some more exciting stuff. I just started a book today that I'm like already like yes, this is gonna be awesome. Can't wait to get into it. I will hint, it's a YA trilogy set way in the future where people don't just naturally die. Dun, dun, dun. Very excited to get into it. Awesome. Yeah. I'm excited for you. We shall see, guys. I am moving this week. It is chaotic. I want to rip out my hair. Um, so reading is a fun escape at the moment. Yeah. So. I I know for sure that I'm going to read another Agatha Christie this week. And then I think I'm going to try for a bigger one. Maybe The Discovery of Witches or Blood and Honey. We'll see. Nice. See where the road takes me. um, I've got a a horror under my belt ready to talk about next week. And then I don't know what I'm going to read next. Maybe a bigger one too. I'm not sure. But yeah, this will be. I don't know. I have filled my book cart with all of the thrillers and the scaries that I have in the house right now. So I'm like, I've got a little place that I can go and I'm ready to pick the next one. So I'm excited about it. Yeah. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, I hope that you are enjoying your October so far. It has been lovely in Tennessee. Yeah, it's been really spectacular. Just amazing. Um, I want to spend every single day outside, except I can't because my allergies, but I want I to. It's this the worst kind of dilemma. Dile- that's not a word. It's the a worst dilemma. kind of dilemma. dilemma. Um, but yes, English I hope you guys, is hard. <laughs> it is hard. Uh, but yes, I hope you guys are thoroughly enjoying your October reads. Jump on Instagram. Yes. Tell us what you're reading this month. We desperately mm-hmm. would love to know. And we hope that you will continue to enjoy our Spooktoberfest. And we will be back with our next installment next week. All right, guys. Bye. Bye.